You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. It's a Cooley and Kevin Wednesday, the day before the draft. Uh, Hello to everybody. Um, Cooley's calling in from home. We're going to get to all of the Gronk stuff. We're going to get to the reports that have come out actually since the radio show ended earlier this morning, specifically about Trent Williams. We'll ask Cooley some of his draft day uh, memories, which we've heard before, but we can follow up on that. Um, I've got a couple of hypotheticals for Cooley on Dwayne Haskins and this Redskins draft, and then we can get to the draft uh, itself. Um, I want to start real quickly before we get to some of the news this morning on the skins. What did you make of Gronk coming back, going to Tampa, um, only deciding that he would play for Brady after a year off? Uh, The Patriots got a fourth rounder back. That was it. They gave up Gronk in a seventh rounder. Um, You, uh, you know, you've always been a fan of his. Uh, What did you make of the whole trade? That he didn't want to play in New England. That or he wanted just to play with Brady? Well, I think he, like, you look at it and he definitely wants to play with Brady. But if it was just Brady, he would have went back and played with Brady last year. When he had a chance to win another Super Bowl. Or maybe he didn't care about winning another Super Bowl in New England, which is crazy, right? But the success they've had, maybe he didn't feel like he was missing anything. I think mostly in talking to guys that were in New England for a long time, especially a guy like Gronk who likes to have some fun, is that it's not fun. And I understand that it's a job, but it's a fun job. It's just not a fun job in New England. So... I think, to me, that that's my first take is, man, he did not want to play for Belichick anymore. He was done with it, over it. Secondly, I know what it's like to take a year off and then kind of get the desire to play again. And I'm halfway surprised that at some point he didn't try to come back. I know there's a veteran deadline, or maybe he wasn't ready by that point. But there's that feeling as well of, you just see how much guys who are completely oversaturated with football done with it, spend a year away from it, and want to come play again. It's a fun game. What's so bad Not about New playing England. in New England? I think, Kev, that it's an environment where you don't make a mistake, you get yelled at if you do anything wrong, there's complete discipline, there's no tweeting, there's no social media, there's no media, there's no say the wrong thing. I've heard from guys that when something happens or you do something that you're at fault for, even a small thing like you had a missed assignment in practice, that Bill won't look at you in the hall. You'll walk down the hallway and say, have a good coach, and he will not, he'll snub you like Costanza. So I think that that is exciting for guys that have been in organizations for a long time that aren't winning organizations. But guys that have played for the Patriots for a long time, I think that wears on them. You think that wore on Brady, too, and that's one of the reasons he was ready to move on? I don't, I don't think that – I think Brady was exempt from it. He, he had to be to some extent. What are you going to say to Tom Brady? But, yeah, I do think that some of it probably did. Some of the outside stuff, 
the media stuff, the lifestyle stuff. Yeah, I think that probably, I think some of that probably wore on Tom. Did you get to know? I doubt Gr- the football stuff. Do you know Gronk well? I don't know him well. We, we've met and talked a few times, but I do not know him well. Do you, did you? Ever, I like him. He's did you ever player. get a chance to know Brady? No, never. I've never met Tom. Um. You know, a couple of things um, about the trade. Bill Barnwell wrote extensively about why the Patriots only got um, a fourth-round pick for him, which when I first saw it yesterday, I happened to have been on with Zabe um, talking about uh, ice cream truck um, and ice cream truck um, products. Um, Good Humor, you know, Mr. Softy, uh, Circus Man, Baker Boy. What did you have out in Utah? Was it just Good Humor? We didn't have Good Humor. You didn't have, you did not have good humor. You were talking about ice cream truck. Yeah, did you have an ice cream truck when you were a kid? Uh uh-uh. uh You really didn't know ice cream truck came around the neighborhood. The Swan Man. What was it called? Swan. Was, Swan Man. Was Swan, Swan a dairy? Yeah, I saw Swan's truck here the other day. Yeah, I've Swan is a national thing. I think it's it's a dairy though, right? I think it is. I don't know. No, Swan's is a food truck. A food truck, right? Right, so that's what you and had. Then you, they just had ice cream. I mean, you're familiar with an ice cream truck, right? That comes around in the Very summer. Very familiar. All the... I just, uh, we, yeah, and plays music, and okay, I, I, we just didn't have one. Okay. Anyway, um, I, I we were I was talking about ice cream um, product, good humor product with Zabe on his show yesterday, and Scott, when it, it when the news flash came across uh, ESPN.com, ta- uh, you know, making uh, announcing the trade. So I immediately said, a fourth rounder, that doesn't seem right. It's Rob Gronkowski. He's only 30 years old. He was only out one year. What am I missing here? Well, I was missing a couple of things. Number one, according to Barnwell, Gronk was only going to come back if he could play for Tampa. So basically, he was never going to play for the Patriots. He would have stayed retired. Wouldn't have played for anybody else. He would have stayed retired. Um, and in, beyond that, he was, he's due to make $10 million this year, and the Patriots aren't, weren't any, just weren't anywhere near being able to afford Gronk's contract on their cap. They're just $2 million over the cap right now. Um, so they would have had to make some moves to keep Gronk. So ultimately, I guess Belichick looked at it and said, uh, he can stay retired and we get nothing, or he can play for an NFC team, and we get a free fourth rounder. I guess he could look at it that way. I guess you could have also said to Gronk and his agent, we know you want to play with Tom, we know that's the only place you want to play, but we're just not taking any less than a second for you. I mean, Hayden Hurst, the the Ravens got a second for Hayden Hurst, you know, recently. Um, So, I mean, he could have played hardball and said, you really want to play with Tom and you want to return, that's fine. You're going to have to get the Bucs to to give up more. But that's essentially the reasoning that went into – um, the why they only got a fourth rounder, and actually they had to you know give a seventh rounder with Gronkowski just to get the fourth rounder back. The other part of this is yesterday, Cooley, before the trade, the Buccaneers were twenty to one to win the Super Bowl on Sportsbook.com, one of the sites I use. After the trade, they're twelve to one to win the Super Bowl, and they're only on Sportsbook.com three teams that have better odds to win the Super Bowl this year. The 49ers are in order. The Chiefs, the Ravens, and the 49ers. The Bucks are the fourth favorite to win the whole thing. I actually think they have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl with the team they have. 
Yeah, Kev, I think Tampa's stacked. You look at Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, both phenomenal wide receivers. Yeah, Gronkowski. I like Ronald Jones. I loved Ronald Jones a couple yeah, years you ago did. as a running back coming yeah. out. I, I think he's going to continue to grow. Good offensive line. O.J. Howard, by the way, the other thing I thought about, because I'm going to say O.J. Howard, the other thing that I thought about is that O.J. Howard or Cameron Brait are two very good tight ends, both of which the Redskins could try to acquire. So, well, let me let me interrupt one quick second because that was one of the reports that came out after the radio show was over this morning. Jenna Lane from ESPN, uh, citing a source, said that the Buccaneers nearly traded O.J. Howard two months ago to the Redskins in exchange for offensive tackle Trent Williams, but talks fell through. Um, it's the first thing I thought of too is you know about OJ Howard and what it would cost to get him and do they want Howard or do they want Brait because they're probably not going to keep both of them. Here's the problem now for the Bucks after trading for Gronkowski, they don't have any cap space left. They have well, I'll tell you exactly what they have. They have just over three million dollars in cap space now. So Howard's due to make two million. So you can't. It doesn't work even if you know even without an extension for Trent at twelve million next year. Even if you were to give him an extension and get the number down, it's going to be a tight squeeze. They're going to probably have to cut somebody or restructure somebody to make that deal happen. Yeah. What do they say? You got to keep somewhere around five million dollars in cap space through the year to sign guys when you have injuries. And stuff. Exactly. Three to five, somewhere in that range. Right. And they're at three point six right now in available cap space. By the way, you love O.J. Howard. You did well, coming out Braid, of the draft. Cameron Braid's all dead money. They could get rid of Braid at 4.25. Four, uh, well, that's... So that'd be the move they'd probably try to make. Still, you got Trent at 12.5. Yeah, you'd have to find somewhere. But you're, you're going to redo a deal with Trent. So Right, but can you get that first year down to like 5 million bucks? I guess you could. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you can. Okay, so you, just real quickly, because you loved O.J. Howard coming out of that draft. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was pretty special. I, I didn't think he was a top 10 pick. But athleticism is off the charts. I think he's a good blocker. All those Alabama guys are, are usually pretty technical in terms of blocking. He could be a little bit better as a blocker. Uh, I, he's a phenomenal receiver, can improved drastically as a, as a route running tight end because he has the athletics and the quick twitch to do it. It's just going to take someone to work with him. It's not that I'm saying he's not good. He's just not great, but he is, he, he has all the potential to be a really special player. Back to the bucks for a moment. And then we'll circle back to Trent Williams. Cause there was another story about him after um, the show ended this morning. Um, I think the Patriot I think the Buccaneers, excuse me, are a legitimate before the Gronk trade. I thought they were a legitimate NFC Super Bowl contender. Are they better than the Ravens or the Chiefs? Probably not. Could they beat could they get to the NFC championship game against the 49ers or Green Bay or Seattle? Yeah, absolutely with that talent. And now it may, you know, if if Gronk comes back and he's the Gronk of old after a year off and being refreshed and Brady doesn't regress significantly, my God, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, Brait and or Howard, um, Ronald Jones, who you like, I didn't love as much. Um, this this Flip is the defense and, and to 
Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett, Pierre Paul. <laughs> Levante Kevin David. White. They didn't play well, though, last year. They didn't play well defensively. But well, they should be well coached. Defense, which is a complicated defense. So, What, the Bulls defense? Yeah, the Bulls is a complicated defense because it's a play out of your system in the system defense. I guess by that I mean you're given certain liberties, especially certain players, to not necessarily play the system that's called, but to communicate and, and make plays. It takes a little bit of time for that to grow. They got better at the end of the year, but they also turned the ball over three 300 times. Yeah, exactly. So. Yes. I, yeah, they, 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 are, they are legit good. And, uh, and the coaching staff's first rate with Arians and Bulls. No, it'll be – wouldn't this just be amazing, though, if Tom Brady goes there and goes to the Super Bowl? It'd be amazing. I think a lot of end on Brady. I, I think – I think they are legitimately a deep into January team. They could be sitting there in the Super Bowl next year. Um, and, you know, you know, the, you mentioned all the interceptions. You know, I've I mentioned this before about the Buccaneers season last year. The Buccaneers went 7-9, and nine, but they were so close, so close to something so much better. Their losses were all just excruciating. They lost to Daniel Jones in his first game by a point. They lost by a touchdown in New Orleans. They lost by four in Tennessee. They had the Seahawks dead to right in Seattle and lost in overtime. They At the end of the year, they were, I mean, they had Houston. They were better than Houston that day. But Jameis, if Jameis had, had thrown, I forget what his final numbers were. Was it 30 interceptions in total? I think it was 32 and 30 maybe. was. The, I, know he, I know he was 30 for 30. It's the first time that's ever yeah. happened. If he, had thrown, pick, if he had thrown 25 interceptions, which would have been horrible instead of record setting almost, um, they probably would have won two to three more games and been in the playoffs. That's not an exaggeration. They were so close last year. It's a really, really good football team potentially next year. Yeah, I, I, I'll be very excited to watch that team, which I'll be watching closely because it'll be fun. Yeah, um, I, I agree. So uh, anyway, I mentioned, I mentioned the odds. So let me um, – oh, one more thing on Gronk. Being – a tight end like you were and a Pro Bowl tight end. Do you do you have I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Do you have a any sort of historical sense of the position? You know who's been great, who's in the Hall of Fame, who isn't? Yeah. You do. Yeah, uh-huh. So where does Gronk rank for you on the all-time list of tight ends? He's in the top ten for sure, with the ability to have been one of the best of all time. He, I don't know if he if he played enough to be considered in the best of all time. Really? You know? Well, I, I think you look at to me, but you look at his touchdowns and you look at what he's been able to do when he's on the field. He's been probably one of the most unstoppable tight ends. You said something to me last podcast. You said, can you imagine what it would be like to play with Tom Brady? Now, <laughs> let's not take anything away from Rob Gronkowski because he's an incredibly special player. But can you imagine what it would be like to play with Tom Brady? Ball on you, on time, whenever you want, wherever you want it. I mean, geez, it would be awesome. Yeah, I think you got to put him in the top five, actually, you look at it. Because you got Gonzalez, 
Witten. Come on, Kellen Winslow, Witten's, Witten's not top five. You know, it's hard for me to say. Go ahead, give me give me the list that you were starting to give. I didn't I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I want to hear your list. I, I think you got to look at Mackie, Mackie Dick and and Winslow. At least Mackie and Dick and put them in another category. Like it's not football that we saw the way we see football anymore. But when you watch highlights of those guys, they are unbelievable game changers. What about Gates? Winslow, Winslow, awesome. Gates, one of the best I've seen in person. Just unbelievable separator. Terrible blocker. Um, Ozzie Newsome, special, special guy. But yeah, now I'm I'm looking at it again right now. Trying to think of any other name. I, he's in the top five. It's a fun position because everyone plays it so differently. Like think about the way Antonio Gates plays the game and the way Rob Gronkowski plays the game. Well, they were both super athletic big targets as pass catchers. But Gronk a much better blocker, obviously. He's uh, he's a pretty amazing player. I'll be excited to see how he plays this year. For me, where do you put him? Well, Kellen Win- Kellen Winslow for me in my lifetime of watching the NFL, Kellen Winslow isn't just the best tight end I've ever watched. He's one of the best football players I've ever watched. You know, I'm not saying that he's Jim Brown or Lawrence Taylor in terms. Of, you know, and I didn't I didn't really see Jim Brown, but Lawrence Taylor, but Kellen Winslow in in those seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was, um, in San Diego, he was so dominant. I mean, he was he was a tight end that basically you know defenses had to completely game plan around. You don't see that. You, I mean, I guess I guess in recent years you've, you've seen it with Gonzalez and Gronk. You know, I don't know if you've seen and maybe Gates. I don't know that you you ever saw a team have to game plan around Jason Witten, you know, or Greg Olson, or you know, guys like that necessarily. Not even a guy maybe like Shannon Sharp. I mean, Winslow was the best I've ever watched, and I've I've always felt that way. And it's going to be tough to change my mind. But Gronk and Kelsey, by the way, both have potentially another five productive years left. They're only thirty years old, both of them. The other guy who was just so special as a pass catcher was Dave Casper in the seventies. I remember him yeah, very. I remember him very well. I remember Ozzie Newsome too, um, you know, and 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 uh, Jerry Smith. You know, I've said this many times. Jerry Smith is should be in the Hall of Fame. Jerry Smith is so underrated all time as a pass catching tight end. Um, but you know. The conversation that we had, I think, last podcast or maybe it was the podcast before, I thought was about Peyton Manning because I said to you, you could have easily been Dallas Clark times two, maybe times one and a half because you said he, you really think he's a, a great player. But to me, Peyton Manning and Chris Cooley together would have been amazing. It, I mean, it would have been fun. It, it's funny. I did this after we got done. It. I went back and just glanced at year-by-year stats, and it's just so funny to see every second year in an offense, my receptions go up. <laughs> so, so, you, so, yeah. Second, second so, yeah, year. The yeah. Second year in an offense. Get to know a coordinator, get to know a quarterback, second year of offense, get to know the system. My, but every other year, we switch offenses. Yeah, get right. for two. 
right? Saunders for two, Zorn for two, and then Shanahan for three. Right. So every time I had a good year, I switch offenses. But uh, yeah, it's not important. I mentioned Witten, and I'm just looking at this. And trust me, so I like Jace a lot. I, I do. I've always been slightly je- like I'll say I'm slightly jealous of at least his stats, especially when I watch him play because I, I think I was a better receiver than Witten, and and every bit the player he was. His longevity is phenomenal. But you say that, and then you say the dude averaged more than 80 catches a year and 900 receiving yards. Yeah. His stats are through the freaking roof. Yeah. And he's got that. He doesn't have a ton of flash. But when you watch him play, he's just got a subtle savvy that he knows how to get the job done, and whether or not you had to game plan. And you did for some of those option plays and some of the things that they did with him. But whether or not you decided the game plan, he still ended up with 1,200 catches, which is unprecedented. I, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, he really – I mean, he had the benefit of playing with better quarterbacks, you know, playing with Tony Romo, much better situation than you had for much of the time you were playing. You know, I know Jason Campbell was a, was a fine guy in the whole thing. Um, and Brunel obviously, uh, you know, liked you. Um, but it was never, you know, it was never a really good and consistent situation of quarterback. I just can't, I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that Dallas Clark is this, you know, white tight end that sort of is built like you to a certain degree. And I, I just picture you in number, in, in, in number 47 in blue and white with Peyton Manning throwing to you and you becoming an all time tight end. Because, I, I mean, tell me right now, were you better than Dallas Clark? Yeah, I was better than Dallas yeah, Clark. Yeah, that's what I think. Dallas Clark did have a 100-catch season, though. Yeah, well, because of who he played with. That's my point. We end up, I mean, we ended up statistically fairly close. He has about 80 catches more and another 1,000 yards. But he also played three more years than I did, so... He played but that. Dallas Clark's a good player. Everyone plays a position differently, and some people had the benefit, and some people didn't. I mean, the Gronk thing is fun. When you look at all of this, you look at the Gronk stuff and, and say top tight ends. It, it Gronk's my third tight end at worst that I would pick on my team. I got to pick a lot of these guys before Witten. So I mentioned Witten, but if you said pick a team, pick tight end for your team, you know, I'd pick Gronk. Probably one or two. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let me uh, let me do a quick read here, and then let's get to some of the Redskins news on Trent Williams, and then get to the draft. Um, quick word about Stamps.com, which it's perfect now in the environment we're living in for you to use Stamps.com as a small business or as an individual. For all our sakes, we need to avoid crowds right now. Um, but what if you need to go to the post office? What if you need postage to send out letters and packages? Don't worry, stamps.com is here to help. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do at stamps.com. Print postage on demand, skip those lines and crowds at the post office. Plus, you can actually save money with discounts that you don't even get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all of the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home office 
office or anywhere else you are hunkering down right now. Whether you're a small business sending invoices and online sellers shipping out products, or you're just working from home right now and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a free pick, uh, package pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact is required. It's simple. And like I said, with Stamps.com, you get great discounts. Five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off USPS shipping rates. And now, in addition to offering discounted U.S. Postal Service rates, Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discount rates up to 62%. Plus, with Stamps.com, you don't even have to pay UPS residential surcharges. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now, saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Kevin DC. That's stamps.com. Enter Kevin DC. Stay safe. Use stamps.com. Whether you're a small business or you're an individual, it works. All right, let's get to um, some Redskins news. And there was a bunch of news this morning, uh, Twitter-wise, um, that came out. And actually a tweet that just came out uh, moments ago from Mike Garofolo. Um, the tweets from mid-morning, Ian Rappaport, with one big trade done uh, and final, meaning the Gronk trade, could another one be on the way? The Redskins have talked to multiple teams about a potential trade of left tackle Trent Williams. With the NFL drafted day away and a physical necessary, the clock is ticking. Uh, we read to you earlier the Jenna Lane from ESPN tweet about the uh, the Buccaneers nearly trading O.J. Howard two months ago to the Redskins in exchange for offensive tackle Trent Williams, but talks fell through. Now, Mike Garofolo, um just uh, tweeted out moments ago here, uh, interesting note on the Trent Williams situation. The Redskins have closed the window for Williams and his agent Vince Taylor to work out a trade. Teams often want full control of these situations heading into the draft, and that's the case here. And then Connor Hughes just tweeted out, Connor Hughes covers the Jets for the Athletic, um, that uh, uh, that a league source confirms that things are trending in the right direction regarding a Trent Williams trade. However, it doesn't appear that's with the Jets. Source said they're not the front runner at this point although they've made a call. Um, and then he tweeted out, if Cleveland trades for Trent Williams, they might then look to trade the number 10 pick in the draft to Tampa Bay or Miami. Both teams have presumed interests in offensive tackles. Um, if Cleveland is the team. Uh, you know, So if the Jets are out, Cooley, to me, Cleveland would be at the top of the list. Minnesota's you know, p- a potential team that would be in the running for Trent as well. What do you, what would you take for him? What? I would take a second. I would prefer that second to be mid to higher second, but I would take a second. I, you want more than a second? I would take a second, and if it could be like Miami's at 
39 overall, that, that would be terrific. You know, Miami's got a couple seconds, so that, that would be a possibility. I would take uh, O.J. Howard plus, and I know O.J. Howard was a first-rounder, but he's not Trent Williams, so I'd take O.J. Howard plus if it happened to be with Tampa. But I think it's really interesting how much he wanted traded and they couldn't get a trade worked out. His side of it could not find a way to work out a trade. And it's almost scary. They couldn't work out a trade because they just kept saying, we're gonna, we're, you're going to have to pay us. you, you got to pay us, too. Well, aren't they saying that now or not? Or do you think now he's willing to just leave, play for 12-5 somewhere else next year, and then you know get to free agency in the offseason? Maybe it's a clowny deal where the team promises him that they won't franchise him. I think that he has to come to that conclusion. I think both teams, his teams can't stand each other. Trent again saying he won't play. You know I think he should just play for the Redskins. Right. They should work out the clowny situation here where they promise him he can go to free agency, and you believe that as well. But if that's not the case, then, yeah, maybe he's got to do the clowny situation to get a trade done. But then that lowers the value of Trent. If you don't know you're going to keep him, you're going to get a third. That's what they got for clowny. That's probably what you're going to get if that's the clowny situation. You could do the clowny situation and say if you do get a deal worked out, then that third becomes a second. Or that third becomes a third next year as well. Would you trade right? Trent like, Williams to Jacksonville for Leonard Fournette? No. I wouldn't. Would you tr- trade Trent Williams straight up? You'd have to give up more for Ngakwe than just Trent, more likely than not. Right? Ngakwe's got more of a, a future and big upside as a pass rusher and Redskins don't what really. Gakwe got left on his contract. Um, well, I mean, Only he's like demanding. A he's de- demanding a new one. Um, I think it's it's one year, right? I think. No, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't do it straight up for Gakwe. I don't think. I don't think I'd give up. I like Trent Williams as a player. No, just, it, it's funny. If anyone really goes and watches Trent, you just don't find that kind of guy. He's. Really special. He's a really special football player. Yeah, that's why I'm not. That's hard to get. That's why I'm not giving him away. I I get that you're not giving him away, but if he's not going to play, he's not going to play. Well, he's got. He he has to play. Basically, but you're asking me, would I give up Trent for Ngakwe? No, I take the second. I take the second versus Trent because I get a guy for four years for sure. I don't have to pay a guy boatload. I don't want to do a deal with a guy that I got to pay, just like I was going to have to pay Trent. Yeah, and and Gakway's got one year left on his deal at seventeen seventy. Wants a new deal now. And by the way, I think actually, I don't know. I, I I'm not going to get into that. That's not the deal there. L- let me just Trent. There, uh, Trent Williams has to play in twenty twenty. He can't hold out, even if he doesn't get traded. It's totally impossible in impractical at this point for him to sit out a second straight year, lose all of that money, and then try to make it up next year, two years after his last snap? It's not practical. The Redskins have more leverage. The only part of this where they don't have leverage is that they want an answer on their left tackle. 
You know, and he, he's sitting there and he's counting 12-5 on their cap. Now, they have enough room. The Redskins have the sixth most uh, available cap space right now at roughly $24 million. So if they decided, Trent, the best we could get for you was a fourth, we're not trading you. Sorry. We'll wait this out. We'd love for you to come play for us. And I, I subscribe to your theory, which is sit down and work it out. I mean, Bruce is gone. The trainer's gone. You know, Rivera, Kyle Smith, sit down or whomever, you know, and say, play for us, you know, play well. And and the quid pro quo in this is we won't franchise you next year. You know, we'll let you walk at the end of the year if you want to right. walk. Done. If you can't get at least a second. I'm not going to try. I don't think I want to do it for a third. I, I don't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, you can't. Get, yeah, I don't want to do it for a third. Second. The, the thing you can do. You could put the contingency on it, where if it happened to be a third, it would become next year's third as well if they get a deal done within the year. Oh, right. You mentioned that before. That's smart. So, therefore, the team, if they end up signing him and he becomes more than a one-year rental, then you get something in addition to the third. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you get? A second third? Yeah, I think a second third would be pretty reasonable I think that'd be good I, I think you'd consider a, a contingency fourth but I'd, I'd want it to be a third honestly I want it to be freaking another two like, hey, yeah we'll give you or, or we'll do the four and if he signs with you it becomes a two or it becomes next year's two so it's a four and a two not a four and a two a three and a three and a two I do a four and a two it, it just depends. If that's all I can get, I got a better. What am I? What I got, am I, an, I got an offer. You got to realize you. what you're stuck with. I got okay? an offer. You got to realize. I, what, I got an offer for at. you. I got an offer for you to consider. All right. Um, we're going to trade him to you for a conditional 2021 first. The condition is. If you sign him beyond this next year, you give us next year's first. Now that wouldn't work with motivation to not sign him. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But then you're going to lose him too. I, I realize. But that, losing but the second is also next year sort of motivation not to sign him. But the the motivation. I mean, say, it, say you did that. To, say you did that with Cleveland, right? Yeah, I know. I understand. Or, or Miami. Cleveland's all of a sudden or, two and seven, and yeah, they're or, like, "Okay, we're not signing you because yeah. we'd like our hire first. Right. But I don't think the second's real motivation to not sign a guy. I think you'd keep Trent, especially if he played for you. Anyone that watches him play is going to go, "Oh yeah, we want him." Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, um, I just, I, I think it's part. Sort of what you described a few weeks back when you said, why can't they just sit down and figure this out and have him play for them this year? They need a left tackle. He needs to play. The The bad people, the bad man is gone. All right, Bruce is gone. Larry Hess is gone. You know, and, and if you're the team, you say, look, I'd rather ha- have him for 12, pay him 12-5 this year to have a really good left tackle to protect our quarterback that's going to start his eighth game with his third offense, essentially, you know, at the beginning of next year, and we'll, we'll make a commitment not to franchise you at the end of the year. And maybe, you know, you'll learn to like us, and we'll learn to really love you even more, and we can work out a deal with you next year for a long-term deal. Maybe even the middle of the season, who knows, because things change. But I would definitely be willing to go down that path if I don't get what I want. 
And the thing that's frustrating about all of this, we've talked about it before, is just the notion that just like the Kirk Cousins situation and other situations in the past, this was so mismanaged by the team. And I understand, Cooley, I understand Trent's culpable for a lot of what went on. And I totally believe that, and I understand that the team was really upset that he tried to make them out to be medically negligent. I understand that. With that said, you could have more likely than not gotten a first-rounder for Trent if you had traded him at the right time, if you had made him available, and you'd be sitting in this draft with two number ones, and you'd know what you're in. See, I I disagree, and I don't disagree if it had happened if Trent had been honest with you when the season ended and you did it right when the season ended, as, by the way, you suggested the day the season ended. The 2018 season. Yeah, but when it got to, where were we, June, and he said, I'm not going to play for the Redskins, and because of injury, I think every other team said, this dude's not going to play because he wants a contract, and when a guy wants to renegotiate a brand-new contract, a first is not necessarily what you do with anybody, especially coming off the surgery that he was coming off, and you might not have got him last year. So I don't think they were going to get a first. I, don't th- I think if the first was out there, they would have taken it. Yeah, I mean, this is a debate I've gotten into with Kime and others. And, and uh, hey, Let's put it this way. They didn't get offered a first. I know they didn't get offered a first. Well, that's because I, they weren't I, accepting offers. I know they didn't get offered a first because someone told me. I can't remember who it was, but I was told that they got offered They were a first. offered Jadavian Clowney straight up for Trent. Yeah, and Seattle got a third for Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. But here's the reason they weren't offered a first. They weren't, according to John Dorsey, even answering calls. The Redskins never actively tried to trade him. So they, there weren't the, – the Redskins, you know, didn't uh, – at least up until that 11th hour of the trade deadline – Um, the reports were that Bruce didn't even answer calls. John Dorsey said that. We we never got a chance to hear an offer, and the reports were that the Browns were willing at some point early in the season last year, if not training camp, to offer the Redskins a first for Trent Williams. There are other ways of communication. He could have texted them, we'll give you a first. I mean, it didn't happen. Well, no, the the reporting is the Browns were willing to offer a first and that the Patriots, before they found out what Trent Williams' contract demands were going to be, were willing potentially to part with a first-rounder back in the early portion of training camp. that's wrong. I I believe that that's not – fake news but 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 it's it's it can't be fake news because the Redskins never made him available it's it's I still believe that the offer was never available it was never put out there. how do you know why do it's you dis- nice why did you why do you dispute the, the reporting yeah, make, make. You're, you you heard one side of it you heard, heard their side of it. of it I heard I heard I just heard what was reported yeah, yeah but see that's what I heard what John Dorsey said I just don't believe that he made that offer you, he can go back and say he was going to make any offer that he wants to say, but he didn't. I don't believe. I just don't believe the offer was made. And the Redskins can say, and by the way, doesn't it benefit them 
to say, yeah, Trent, nobody's really interested for you, and we're not stupid turning down, you know, big-time offers. And that's, you know, guys in our media were getting their information, this is my guess, primarily from the team, and it was in the team's best interest to, you know, let people know that they there were no offers like first-rounders for Trent. You know, nobody, nobody was really interested. We wouldn't have been stupid enough to turn down a first-round offer, first offer when the reporting was they weren't even accepting offers. They had no intention of trading him. Les Carpenter reported, you know, uh, early in the season last year, late in training camp, Bruce's intention is to figuratively bleed Trent Williams, and they think he'll eventually come back and play for them. They didn't have any intention of trading him. If you had an intention of trading him... offered you the first rounder, they have number 10 right now. You didn't know at the time, but you knew they were going to be in the top 20. You would have taken it. Actually, you, you didn't. You, you certainly didn't know early in the season. Cle- Cleveland was considered to be a contender before the season started. But when that started to come out, they were bleeding. When the Cleveland stuff happened, it was like mid October. It was their last ditch chance. You wouldn't assume they would have been a bottom ten pick. Why would it benefit Cleveland to have it reported out there that they 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 were willing to offer a first for Trent Williams at some point last year? I haven't thought about that. But yeah, I, I, just don't think I, I guess my, my point is you're never going to convince me, Kime is never going to convince me, that there was never a first-round, you know, or an approximate thereof offer for Trent Williams for two reasons. One, there was reporting to the contrary. But two, the Redskins never actively tried to trade him. They never tried to create a market for him. They never tried to, to – to, he wasn't available. So you really – it's like – it's not a direct apples-to-apples to, apples to the Kirk Cousins situation, but – and you agree with me on this one. The, the Redskins – the people that say, well, Kirk was never going to re-sign with the Redskins anyway, especially after Sean left. Well, that may be true, but you'll never know because the Redskins never once made him a bona fide offer that he could either accept or not accept publicly or privately. They were $31 million short – you, you know, your boy was way off. And by the way, I think we, on our show, we tried to explain to them how off they were in terms of the market value for the quarterback. Um, but it, again, not apples to apples in terms of the analogy, but it's like we'll never really know if Kirk would have accepted it or not. We can guess about what would happen, but he was, he was never given an offer. Trent was never made available. So we'll never really know what they could have gotten in early 2019, before training camp in 2019, during training camp in 2019, or before the trade deadline during the season last year, because he was never made available. We knew, we I do mean, know everything. Everything's for sale. So yeah. Well, we know if that's true, then the reporting, you know, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't accept the reporting that the Browns were willing to part with a first-round pick. And to me, the the team that really had the Redskins been interested in actively trading him to Houston before they made the deal for Laramie Tunsil, Houston would have offered a first-round pick. If you take half of the Tunsil package, it it would yeah. it, it would have included a first-rounder. That, that, you can't say that, though, because you just said they offered Jadavian Clark. Straight up. Yeah. Well, that's not a first rounder. Uh, well, it turned out not to be, but maybe in the moment. Apparently, they made, apparently they made an offer. So that, that's not a first rounder. Why would, well, why would you think that the offer would be so much different between Trent and Tunsil? Just the age? Maybe they knew Tunsil was going to be a lot easier to retain. Well, he is he going to be? 
He's going to make a, he's gonna make a lot of money, right? I, I, he is going to make a lot of money. I still would take Trent over Tunsil. They traded two first-rounders, a second-rounder, and two players for Tunsil oh, and Kenny Stills. And by the way, Stills is gone now, I think. I think he's gone now. So cut that in half, and you get a first-rounder minimum. Hey, don't do the Tunsil deal. We'll give you Trent for basically 40 cents on the dollar of what you're offering Miami. Anyway, we, we maybe, can... maybe somebody else wanted Tunsil. Maybe the market was better for Tunsil. I don't know. I can't wait till this is over, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, I do think that the odds favor significantly that something's going to get done and resolved here in the next, you know, tomorrow night's the first round. By the end of the weekend, at the latest, Trent's going to be dealt. That's my guess. What's yours? think they get a second for him. I didn't guess what the compensation would be. I just said there's going to be a conclusion to this this weekend. He's going to get dealt. Well, if they're going to get a second for him, then yeah, there will be a conclusion to it this, this weekend. I think he's, I think he's done this weekend. I think, or I think the, the trade gets done this weekend. I think it ends up being a second. Cleveland, and I wouldn't be surprised if if it was Miami's. Cleveland's second is 41 overall. Miami's second is 39 overall. And if the Jets were involved, 48 overall, but it sounds like the reporting is the Jets aren't. What does Minnesota have in the second round? Um, they've got 58 overall. And they, of course, have the two late first-rounders, which you're probably not going to get. Minnesota's got 58 overall. And there was one other team that I've been thinking about could be a possibility. Minnesota doesn't have a lot of cap space. They can't. <clears throat> what was that? Minnesota only has twelve million dollars in cap space. Yeah, but they but they also have Anthony Harris on a tag that they could rescind, which by the way he's a hell of a player. I would I'd make that trade, but they already stay, you know they like Sean Davis I guess. Um, I think he's a really good free safety. I, Minnesota's traded away or, or allowed um, most of their defense to leave here in the off season. It's actually pretty interesting. Okay, they um, pay for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, a quick draft hypothetical for you before we get to sort of Redskins needs and players you like, et cetera. Because um, I, I did this this morning on the show. Um, it's sort of a way to gauge the way you feel about Dwayne Haskins to a certain degree. If Dwayne were in this draft, all right, but you knew what he was last year. Like you, you had a sent. You, you saw the seven games that he played for the Redskins last year that he started. But he was in this draft, and the Redskins had a desperate need for a quarterback in this draft. Would you take him or Tua? If Burrow was gone, Tua. Yeah, I think I would too. Th- which tells you that for those, I that- would take. You know where I'd take it. You know where I'd take Dwayne. In this year's draft, second round, same place I was taking him last year. Yeah, that's but right. I, I, it's better than saying the, you take him the fifth after seeing a year, or it's, it's not that. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. I I know where you're coming from because you want everybody to know that you like Dwayne. 
you think he can play, but uh, but you don't think he's worth more than a second rounder. You didn't think last year, and you don't think he's more than a second rounder if he were in this year's draft after what you saw. They, Which, by the way, the second they rounder. Him, if they put him on the trade market right now, they're not getting any better than a second. You're right about that. You're probably right about that. I think it's they're not in, getting a first for him. I think it's interesting though because I would not. You know, right now, if Chase Young weren't available, let's just say he's gone, he's not in this draft, and Burrow goes one, I wouldn't take Tua because of the injuries with with Dwayne on the roster and having already spent a first-rounder last year on Haskins. But if I hadn't spent the first-rounder on Haskins last year and Haskins were in this draft and I didn't have a chance to Chase Young and Burrow was gone, I would take Tua and roll the dice with the injuries. Because I do think that Tua's upside's greater than Dwayne's. I think Burrow's is much greater. You like Burrow more than Tua, too, right? Oh, it, yeah, I don't think that's even close. A lot of people do, though. A lot, a lot of people like Tua more, more than Burrow? Yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the draft experts, if Tua didn't have the injury history coming in, would have had Tua as the number one player on their board. I, that's well and good, but a lot of NFL people would have taken Burrow before Tua. Everyone would have. I would take Burrow if Burrow – you've already said this. We've already done this. But if for whatever reason Cincinnati decided at the last minute, you know what, Chase Young's the number one player on our board, and we think he is the next you know, uh, gra- you know, know, greatest pass rusher uh, of the next 10 years, we're going to take him. We'll start Dalton this year. We'll figure out the quarterback you know, answer next year. I would definitely, if I were the Redskins, take Joe Burrow. Wouldn't even think twice. And I like Dwayne. I like him more than you do. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. If Joe Burrow was a possibility, he would be on my team. If you were the GM, would you be aggressively trying to move up one spot to take Burrow? So I just told you everything's for sale, I, I don't, except your kids. I, I think that number one pick for Burrow is almost like their kids. I, I don't think that pick's for sale. I agree. I, I agree. But let's just say it was for – uh, next, you know, you don't have a two right now. Um, what's the so difference? Is Dwayne worth the two to them? I mean, if they like Dwayne, that would be very helpful. I mean, if they even like him at all, if you could give, if you could swap first, give him Dwayne, and what would you give next year's first two? Well, I mean, if you get, if Dwayne's worth a two, I mean, that's more than what the chart says that you no, that's pretty much right well, the around. Chart means what the chart nothing says. in this situation. Uh, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um, but Dwayne to, to move up one spot, Cincinnati gets Dwayne, and they get Chase Young. Do you have to give up more than just Dwayne to move up that one spot if you're going to get the player you want? I don't know. Maybe. Um, whatever. Uh, enough with the hypotheticals. What do you think the Redskins need to come out of this draft more than anything else? They need an answer at left tackle. I, I think as much as anything else. Besides, obviously, getting Chase Young, which is, is going to be massive. But you, you need a left tackle. It, it, I think... That would be absolutely huge. I, I think they need a receiver. I think they need a tight end. And I think they need some secondary help. 
Yeah, the left tackle is going to be pretty hard to get um, because you're going to go Chase Young, and if you don't get a second for Trent Williams, and even if you do get a second, it's very possible that I mean it's a it's more of or at least it's perceived to be more of a top heavy left tackle draft with maybe three or four of them going in the first round um, of the draft. I mean, you've got the, uh, you know, you've, you've got, you know, Wills, Wirfs, Thomas, and Becton all, you know, projected to be first round guys. And even a guy like Jones or Cleveland could go late first. some people like this guy, Austin Jackson. That's who Tony, Tony Pauline told me yesterday. He really likes, but you know, without a second, you know, you may not be able, you know, then you're in, you could be in the Jaron Christian category. By the way, real quickly, can Jaron Christian ever become a starting left tackle? I haven't seen anything to show me that Okay, so far. So they've got a, they've got a, a significant need for left tackle, especially if Trent Williams is gone. Um, yeah, you got to have a second. You're right. The, I like the kid Ben Barch, and I like, well, I'm not sure. There's another dude out of Louisville, Mackay Becton. Yeah, well, he's huge. He's going in the Six, first seven, round. Potentially 400 pounds. Yeah. But he's listed at 369. But he moves better than anybody else in the draft. But there's some there's some negative on toughness and resilience and want to. And, with and, that guy. and, and drug he, tests recently, too. But he, he's a special guy. And then Ben Barch is a good player. I watched some senior bowl tape. He, he's, he's got some stuff. He dominated at St. John's, but that was St. John's, so. But he looked good at the Senior Bowl, so that'd be interesting. And then there's another kid out of, of Boise State that's not bad. So there's some guys in the second, but I don't. Yeah, you're right on Austin Jackson. I watched a little bit. He, he's probably third, maybe late second, even maybe creep. Because after that, I just don't see it. So the other, the other what? What were we the other say? guy that, that's pretty good is, is a kid out of Alabama that plays right tackle. You'd have to see him flip. But um, let, Let's assume here for a moment. By the way, let's take a step back. We both think they're going to take Chase Young at number two. You've already told us many times in previous podcasts how much you love him and how the Redskins shouldn't overthink this at all. You know, there's been reporting here over the last 24 hours or so that there are offers being made, that people are interested in moving up to number two. I've already said the following as it relates to this. I'm taking Chase Young unless I get an all-time deal. And at at a bare minimum for me to consider it, if it's Miami, I want number five, number 18, next year's number one, and this year's number two. I want three number ones with one of those number ones being next year's number one. And I want um, their second rounder for three spots. Anything less than that, not even close. I don't even know if I would take that personally for Chase Young because I'm so convinced that he's going to be a great NFL player. Um but you feel the same way, right? Is there any is there any offer other than like you know six first round picks that you would take, or you? Just... <laughs> 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 what would you take? Is there anything you would take? I don't think so. Okay, so we both like Chase Young, and we think they're going to take him. So now you get to the third round. Tackles a need. You've already identified that. Who knows if there will be one? Tight end is a need. You agree with that, right? Yeah, I think tight end is a, a big time need. All right, there, so who, there's going to be a bunch of guys at tight end that end up starting in the third round. The two names to know are Cole Kmet out of Notre Dame. He'll be a first rounder. He, 
He could go higher than people think. He's, he's not, only he's really. not projected to go first round. Just so you know, there's not one mock draft that I've seen with Cole Komet in the first round. In fact, I have, he's gonna go in the first round. I've seen several mocks with him lasting all the way to the Redskins pick in the third round. Now, I you, promise you that's not happening. Okay, so that's one of those things I'm going to write down right now. Cole Komet, you've got no worse than what? Mid-second? Yeah, I, I Komet's going in the second. That's that worst. I, okay. Who else? He's good. He's, like, it's just amazing for me to watch a guy like Komet play at Notre Dame. And then what happened last year where um, the kid in Detroit now, from Iowa. Hawkinson went all the way. Hawkinson went to seven. Komet's a better player than Hawkinson. Really? Yep. I think I said this last podcast. I think he is a better, better film for sure. Um, and then the other dude that is really interesting is Adam Troutman. He looks like he runs. He runs funny. He's got some explosion. Looks like he runs with Tourette. Um. Devin Asiasi out of UCLA, I like. He's probably a third or fourth rounder. Jared Pinkney's a good blocking tight end out of Vanderbilt. I like him quite a bit. Thaddeus Moss is interesting. You know I like my guy out of Georgia. So Right. Charlie Warner. Charlie Warner. You're going to have... You're going to have Kmet and Troutman go first one and two. Every a lot of people really liked the guy out of Missouri with the crazy right. last name, Akwiagbamanam. Yeah, yeah I, him. I don't know, whatever his name is. I don't like him, but he's got. It's he's probably got the most twitch out of anyone in this draft. He's just got some, he's got some question marks. But sometimes you get these guys and they just turn it on. So there's something to that guy. You're going to start seeing these tight ends come off the board. And then if it's the third, there'll be a run of them. If it's the fourth, there'll be a run of them in the fourth. But it, whenever it starts, there'll be a run of 10 or 12 of these guys. There, there's some potential playmakers. Is Komet better than Noah Fant? I would take him over Noah Fant, yes. What about Irv Smith from last year, too? Yeah, I'd take him over Irv Smith. Really? Um, That's uh, why I think he's the first. Yeah. I take him over Hawkinson today. I take him over Hawkinson right now. Uh, there are some wide receivers in this draft, man. It is a deep class, according to everybody, of wide receiver. Um, you know, some people say there's not a superstar in the class, um, but it's a deep class. Uh, the Redskins are going to have a chance in the third round to get a guy that you know can play almost everybody believes that who are the wide receivers that you like Man, there's a bunch of these dudes i, I, I absolutely love Judy and henry ruggs at alabama cd lamb is an absolute burner baller justin jefferson at lsu big time player t higgins I think it's phenomenal. By the way, I love Justin Jefferson. I do too. I, think he was I love Jefferson. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, me too. I agree. T. Higgins, um, Pittman Jr. out of USC. I yep. think Michael Michael Pittman Jr. is yeah. a phenomenal player. So I mean, there's 20 names in this class at receiver. It's it's such a deep class, and you can get guys in the second and third round. But there are five names, four or five names 
that are pretty special. Butcher's a good draft receiver. Um, I really love KJ Hamler uh, in particular from Penn State. I think he's going to be a star. I think yes. he's, I think he's Deshaun Jackson. Apparently, he dropped twelve balls last year. You know, he's up there in drops last year. He's tiny, but man, is he elusive! And then the other guy I really like that I th- you know everybody's projecting fourth to fifth round is Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. You're talking about a much bigger oh, guy. I love that kid. And he all he did was produce at a high level on a team that ended up being a really good team last year. But that guy has produced and has produced in big games. I think that he is going to play in the NFL for a long time. I don't know if he's a number one, but he's definitely a number two, and the projected round for him is like fourth. So the Redskins might not even need to use a third rounder. I, I mean, we're, I'm mentioning receiver because they obviously were very interested in Amari Cooper. And, you know, they want they want to they didn't add enough playmaking ability for Dwayne through free agency. So I would think, given that they're going to take Chase Young, that some of these, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounders are going to be attempts to bring in some offensive help. And because it's so deep, you might really get some some good players into the third, fourth and fifth round. Right. And I I think Kyle Smith, it's especially at a few positions, if not all, but especially that receiver can really see it. So I think they'll do a good job at receiver. There's uh, some good players in the receiver. I mean, you, you go all the way through. Like I'm, I think there's some special dudes. I think there's some really – I think they can add some real playmaking ability. And, you know, I had um, Smoot on last week, I guess, on the radio show, and he said – and I, he said, I, I, he goes, I like Hamler too, but you've got Steven Sims Jr. And I'm like, I think Hamler, even at his size, can play on the outside. Like, he, he, he's, he's Jackson. Jackson played on the outside. So I don't, I don't see why he's got to be a slot guy. And I like, I like Sims Jr. Like, Sims Jr. to me, along with McLaurin, there's some promise there. I think we tend to exaggerate it because we, you know, we're comparing them to, you know, what we've had here recently. But, um, I think Sims Jr. has got a chance to be a, a, a really good playmaker for them. Yeah, Sims Jr. was, the, I think, the diamond in the rough of, of last year on this offense. He is he's really good. I, I think Steven Sims Jr. is really good. His ability to, to run routes, to move the way he does, to separate, I think it's just really special. Um. But I still see Sims Jr. as your slot guy who could play a two if you're in two tight end personnel. It's just, I do, like, everyone loves Terry, and I, I love Terry McLaurin. I do. I still think he's a great two. I think he's a Z in what every offense would call it. A guy that would move around, your motion guy. I think he's your Z. I think you need that big-time deep threat X. And when you have Terry on the other side of it, then you have weapons. And Steven Jim Sims Jr. is a mix-in guy that could have 60 catches. He could be your Crowder. Right. But to me, Terry, you need a, you needed addition to Terry. And so that, I think, will be high on their board or high on, on their important scale. By the way, he just, I, I was watching a couple things of KJ Hamler. He, he's awesome, man. Awesome. That would be a nice – that would be – 
a nice mix-in. I mean, you think you, you don't think there's any chance Cole Komet gets out of the mid portion of the second round? I've seen Hamler mocked in some third rounds. I don't think there's any chance he makes it past the middle part of the second round. <clears throat> I just don't. I mean, not 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 the way the, the way the game's played um, these days, um, and and the need for guys that are just absolute playmakers with the ball in their hand, which he's one of them. You know, there was news yesterday from Ben Standig that um, the team essentially that they're uncertain about his health right now for next year. And I think that's one of the reasons they added Peyton Barber. I think the J.D. McKissick thing was more because they weren't going to bring back Chris Thompson. You know, Geis is obviously a risk with his injury history, if not more. Um, And AP is, you know, 35 years old. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Redskins had a running back in this draft. Well, I think you should add a running back in every draft. Why do you say that? Because there's always guys that you find in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that end up being good players for you. And to me, I would trust your opinion on this as much as anybody because you seem to find running backs out of thin air, and you always find guys that end up being fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. But you you look at running backs in this college system, and you don't always see the things that you want to see, especially when we're watching television, that translates to an NFL running back where I think people that watch it close can find those certain traits and say, look, it's just an all-gun guy, but this guy makes zone cuts like crazy. It's just they don't do it the way you'd want to see this guy do it. So I won't look at a ton of running backs this year, but, yeah, they'll probably add a guy at, back, at running back. I, the, the, there are guys that I love. I, I, I really do like J.K. Dobbins more than um, Swift, more than Taylor. I love Edward Solaire from LSU. I think he's got so much toughness, and he's built so low to the ground. Um, Dobbins, to me, is going to be a star at the position. Um, I love Edwards Hilaire. Um, I like Akers out of Florida State. I think he's really versatile, can fly, and was on a bad team, really. I mean, I know it's weird to say that about Florida State, but that was not a good offensive football team, and he figured it out. I like Zach Moss. I like A.J. Dillon from B.C. And then I'm going to give you um, – I'm going to give you a, a guy that I re- that I think actually you know could end up being a major contributor in the NFL as a sixth rounder, seventh rounder, or maybe even an undrafted free agent, especially after what what he ran uh, his forty time in, and that's Javon Leak out of Maryland. Like you know the Maryland players, I'm always curious why the Redskins haven't focused more in recent years on Maryland players. You know I love Diggs. You know I loved Ngakwe. Um, both of those guys, you know, uh, the, the skins were in – they're in the backyard. They didn't, they didn't take them, and they could have taken both of them. Javon Leak is probably going to be selected, if he gets selected, after Anthony McFarlane, who, you know, ran like a 4-4 at the combine and is projected four, you know, fourth round, fifth round, somewhere in there out of Maryland, and McFarland's really good, played it to Matha, um, you know, and had some big moments, you know, in college and when he was healthy. Javon Leak, Cooley, this dude's, at, like, every time he touched the ball in college, he was a threat to take it the distance. He's a great kickoff returner, not that you need that at the NFL level. He never returned punts. I don't know if he can, 
But um, he's a, a guy super late that yeah, – it's funny because I mentioned that to Loxley when I talked to him last time, and Loxley basically said Javon Leak's going to make somebody very, very happy. He's going to play in the NFL. And some people don't even have him getting, getting drafted. But those are some of the guys that I really like. Um, I like P. Ryan out of Florida, even though he's slow. Um, again, time timing wise, he's just one of those vision backs, um, you know. But you're, you know, you you make such a good point. It's like with these backs, sort of like with corners, right? It's like scheme means everything, you know. The kind of scheme you're in, you know, can make or break you, regardless of your talent. It's it's important to backs and and tight ends. I think as as much as any position. Yeah, it's so big time. By the way, I like Anthony Anthony or Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. Yeah, he's he, he, he's a he, big back. Yeah, he can. He he. Uh, Memphis has had some players just in recent years. Period that can that can play. Um, I'm still waiting for my guy, my receiver, um, that plays for the Bears uh, to end up being a really good player. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 good backs in this draft. They're good corners in this draft. You know, the, the Redskins can certainly add. Uh, corner depth in this draft should be able to, you know, that could be a third round pick. Um, a lot of people, you know, like a, a guy like Jeff Gladney at a TCU who could be there in the third round potentially. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to think of your other needs. Uh, they, they still might be looking for an inside linebacker. Maybe. I don't know. Boston. Boston. I think, I think you should be looking for an inside linebacker the position that I think that they could absolutely fill. They don't have a guy right now. If you, you don't know if, what Reuben Foster is going to be. So, yeah, that's a great that's a great spot for them to think about. Back to the quarterbacks real quickly. I just wanted to mention this. I like Jalen Hurts. He's not going to be a first-round pick more likely than not. He's one of those guys that you know I've seen mocked as late as the third round, even the fourth round a few months ago. I don't think there's any chance Jalen Hurts isn't an early second-round pick, and I think that it'll be one of those things that after tomorrow night people will be trying to trade up if they if they don't have the pick to take him. He's a he's a very cool, calm, you know, doesn't get rattled quarterback, dual threat, obviously. He's competitive as hell. He turns the ball over too much sometimes casually, but I, I've pointed this game out. For, for people who are listening to go watch, go find the Oklahoma-Baylor game from last year. Oklahoma's down 31-3, to 31-10 in that game. And Hertz puts that team, a great team, on his back on the road and, and, and wills it to a win that ultimately you know saved their playoff hopes um, last year. I just like Jalen Hurts. I loved what he did. You know, and the way he handled himself at Bama when when Tua came in in the championship game, and then he had a chance the next year in the SEC title game to replace Tua to beat Georgia. There's something about him that I just I like, and I think that you know if he gets in the right system with the right staff and they put the right scheme around him, that he's got a chance to be, you know, special. He can make plays. You know, Russell Wilson like make plays. Um, oh, he, he's a winner. For what Baltimore will draft him. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh well that would doom RG three. 
Um, more likely than not. A um, couple more things before we run for the day. Um, you've told us your draft day stories in the past. Um, and if people haven't heard it, I mean, sorry. Cooley's told the story of him getting drafted and what he was doing and the whole thing many times. I'm curious, though, what happens right after you get picked? <clears throat> like, who was the first person you talked to? How quickly did you come to Washington who sets all that up? Who did you meet when you, you got here? What do you remember about after you were picked, like right after? Well, everyone told me that you would, do, you would get calls, especially as it, it got closer to your draft from different teams or even throughout the day saying, hey, look, if we take you here, would you be excited to come? Or I got no calls. I got nothing all day. That was the draft what what they do saturday it was a saturday right uh it was saturday sunday first round first second third round was on a saturday okay i think that's what it was and, yeah, that, that and so makes... i knew i was in third round and so it was like eight o'clock and or seven o'clock in utah and i'd been sitting around watching stupid draft all day and i thought that i could have went in the second round i had no calls i was starting to think i wasn't going to get drafted in the third round I kept checking my phone. I really didn't have service at my mom's house, but I have, everyone had her landline as well. So I went outside to the front yard to start looking at my phone to see if I'd gotten any calls or messages, which I hadn't. And then it, I, I promise you, mid-second to the minute I went outside, I hadn't gotten up from the couch. Just stared at the TV thinking I was going to get drafted. And you run through like, Ooh, this tight end got taken. This t- this team needs one. I'd like to go here. This would be cool. Nothing. I walked outside. I was outside for two minutes. Everyone started cheering. Obviously, I knew that I, that had to be me getting drafted. Still no call. No less than ten minutes went by. My brother said, oh, hey, sorry, there was, there's a call for you. He had been taking calls on the home phone, and this was before cell phones were big. And so he had put Joe Gibbs on hold. Joe sat and waited. And he <laughs> said, hey, this is Coach Gibbs. Would you, are you excited to be a Redskin? I said, absolutely, yes. And we had a, a party the next day with my college football staff, and everyone came over and said congratulations, and we talked about D.C., and I was out there the next week. It was the next week. I, missed, I missed my – it was pretty quick. I remember trying to do a bunch of phone interviews. I, I had to do a bunch of phone interviews. That's awful, by the way. I bet you I, I – you know what? I don't know that we've ever talked about this. I guarantee you I talked to you because you – because the, the, the that weekend I was ah, – 2004 – was I would I have been hosting draft? I probably was on the draft coverage, but probably not hosting it. So maybe I didn't talk to you. Yeah, go ahead. So so you're so you get on the phone with Gibbs. By the way, did you know a lot about Gibbs or not? No, I would say no. I didn't know very much about the the Redskins history. I was a Broncos fan, but I did. I know who Gibbs was. Yes, for certain, I knew who Gibbs was. Did I know about the excitement for Gibbs coming back to D.C.? No, I did not. I did not quite understand what it meant here until, really until I got here. 
until the first training camp when you saw thousands and thousands of people out there watching practice. That was weird, by the way. Oh, I bet. For, yeah, for, for the Gibbs return, it was crazy. It was insanity. It was fun. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know much about it. And and I can't, I know I was in town the next week for the rookie minicamp. I missed my first flight. Our guy that was Shocker. in charge of it at the time, Derek Crawford, it was a shocker. No one misses their first flight with the biggest <laughs> job of their life. Well, you know, leave it, was leave on it time to you. I was, no, I was at the airport. There was a problem in Salt Lake. So it, what were people telling you about Washington? What were people telling? Because one of the things you, you immediately uh, are starting to think about is, uh, I'm going to move to Washington, D.C. What were people telling you about Washington? Well, you understand. I understand what Washington D.C. is. I, well, I, don't, I know honestly, that. I, do. I don't remember. I thought that I was going to move to Washington D.C. I shouldn't have, though, because I knew that the I'd been out here. I came on a visit, but I didn't quite understand. You come on a visit, you land at Dulles. Joe Gibbs on my visit. Joe picked me up from the airport. Oh, he did. He picked it you up. Yeah, I remember you telling me that personally. Yeah, Joe picked me up and. He drove you around, and I, I guess I didn't know that I was that it was in Ashburn, Virginia. Right. I, I really I remember thinking this is going to be wild. I'm going to live in Washington D.C. You know, that's actually and I, didn't. I lived in Hamilton, Virginia, for the first three years. That's actually pretty funny because you're right. Like people that fly into Dulles when they're coming to Washington D.C. and they land at Dulles. And then they, you know, get into a car or an Uber now, and they're like, "Hmm, it, like it, this isn't this isn't what I think about when I think about Washington D.C. Because you're you're way out there in Virginia, you know, that's where the airport is. Now, there are a lot of cities where the airport isn't downtown and it's way out somewhere else. Um, but when you fly into Reagan, it's a totally different experience." Like you're flying around, you know, monuments and coming in and landing. And then once you get into to a vehicle and you're, you know, whether it's a cab or an Uber or whatever, you know, there's the Potomac River and 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 there's the Washington Monument and there's the Capitol and there's everything right there. Um, I did fly into Reagan when, after I missed my flight. I do remember that. Not on your not to, on your visit, but after you were picked. Yeah, well, I was supposed to fly into Dulles and miss the flight, and then the next fastest they could get me here was into Reagan. So I do remember that. And then I think one of Dan's drivers, Kevin, who's still around, picked me up. And then we drove the George Washington Memorial Parkway right. back over. And that was cool, seeing the river and seeing all this stuff. That was cool. And I thought I was going to live in D.C., but yeah, well, obviously right, not the case. And so life wasn't dramatically different. Was there... I think I'd only... I mean, I traveled to the East Coast to play football games, and I think I'd only been across the Mississippi to stay for more than a day, like once in my life. What was that for? A wrestling tournament in Pittsburgh in high school. There, there for like five days. I think I was in Pittsburgh. That was the only place I was ever really at. Um, after you became a Redskin, was there a pick, a draft choice that the team made that when that guy showed up for the first, you know, minicamp or OTA or practice or whatever – you knew that they had made the right choice. Like, did anybody – a draft choice where – I mean, and in your class, obviously, Sean Taylor was in that class. But after you became a pro, like, was there anybody that they picked that you're like, wow, they got this one right? No. I'm trying 
trying to think. I didn't, I didn't care that much in my first, especially <laughs> my first two years as I was playing. So true. As long as they weren't drafting it. I remember sitting and watching drafts through the first and second round, just hoping they weren't going to draft the tight end. Yeah. Well, th- I mean. I mean, Sean was obvious. Until they drafted Fred Davis, did they ever draft a tight end? Yeah, I think we drafted a couple later. I shouldn't know their names, but I think we well, drafted a couple later pick, later round picks. What was your first impression of Sean Taylor? I'm sure I've asked you this before, but you know it's draft that he's time. amazing. That, that's absolutely amazing. That he was completely confident. That he believed in himself. That he knew that he belonged in the NFL. It, and he was he was a freak. Who was your first friend I, on I'm the team? I'm trying to think of my first friend, Brian Kozlowski. Um. Same question, except flip it around. Was there somebody that got drafted where when you saw him for the first time, you're like, oh, God, they made a huge mistake? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Um, I don't know. Devin Thomas. You could tell right from the jump that that he couldn't do it? Yeah. Golly, that was a bad draft, that 2008 draft. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, Top to bottom, it was just like grab bag. I mean, Devin Thomas, Fred Davis, Malcolm Kelly, the three second rounders after basically Vinny and Dan slapped each other in the back telling each other how great they were that they traded out of the first round and picked up extra picks. And they took Malcolm Kelly, who hadn't been healthy and had red flags all over him. Fred Davis should have had red flags all over him. And Devin Thomas couldn't play. The guy, you know, the guy that ended up having, I think, the longest career is Chad Reinhardt out of that draft. Chris Horton played for a while. Yeah, he had that sesamoid. Rob Jackson played for a while. Rob Jackson yeah, played he for, did. for a while. He did. The, uh, so I'm looking at this through 2009, 10. In 2010, they drafted Trent Williams. That one was obvious. He could play. He could absolutely play. You noticed it day one? Day one. No question. Until you get to Robert Griffin... And I think everyone was excited about Kerrigan. But Kerrigan didn't blow you away as far as practice. And Nope, there's not a guy. There's not a guy that you just went, oh, wow. Other than, and obviously, other than Griffin. Until then, yeah. Trent Williams. Carlos Rogers had a lot of talent, but I don't know. Manuel White, by the way, was drafted in the fourth round that year with the Rogers draft. He was a fullback that they wanted to play tight end. That was what was the name I was trying to think of. Oh, um, no, there's not a guy. There is not a guy. They drafted Tyler Ecker as a tight end, who is a good friend of mine from Michigan as a tight end in the seventh round in 2007. That was not a concern. He was a great dude, though. Nope, not a guy. I think Arakpo had some stuff to him early. You could tell that he was going to be an NFL player, Arakpo. What about, <clears throat> I'm just now I've got the draft thing up. Um, what about um, God? Remember the preseason where Marco Mitchell? Everybody thought he was really good. Did you guys think he was good? 
yeah, but we didn't think that he was really good. Right. That was like 2009. Yeah. What about Landry? I mean, he was such a physical, you know, freak. He, he was so weird from day one that it was hard to – he looked like he could play. He was always a strange dude. I have no problem with Laurent. I'd, I'd never had a problem. I, I thought he was fine. He was just a strange dude. What about – He thought he could play. You know, one of the things um, – you know, I don't know why it came up recently, but – you know, the Redskins traded up in the 2005 draft, gave up, you know, next year's first to draft Jason Campbell, you know, which, by the way, was the pick after Aaron Rodgers, you know, in that 2005 draft when, when Rodgers was falling. Gibbs clearly had fallen in love with him when they went down to work out Rodgers um, and other oh. Auburn players. What, what, what was the impression of Jason Campbell early on? He was there that he was just a guy. I think that we were, especially as an offense, really committed to Brunel. I think we all liked Brunel. I I don't remember Jason Campbell's first year very well. I really don't remember thinking much of him. Did you ever? not Not in any way. Not in any way. Did you ever think at any point that Jason Campbell would live up to being a first round pick? I was always optimistic on almost all of our guys. I, right. I didn't think of it the way you think of it or the way I think of it now. Yeah, I, I thought he would be fine. I uh, didn't ever – I don't remember thinking, man, Jason Campbell's terrible. Right. I don't think any fans ever thought that watching him. You know, like he's a big dude. He could throw it. There was just nothing – you know, that was ever special about him. Like, I can't, you know what's really strange? I can't remember one vintage vintage Jason Campbell game except for the long touchdown pass that he threw to Santana to beat the Saints in Zorn's year. You know, it was like the second week of the year. It was the home opener. I don't, other than that, I don't really, is there, is there, is there a, a, a game, an iconic Jason Campbell game? <laughs> I don't think there I, is. He made a big throw to me against Carolina late, you know, the third down play to win a game. He did? Yeah. Yeah, was, uh, he, I, he made a big throw. But I don't remember his game. I don't either. I remember the, the long touchdown pass to beat the Saints in Zorn's first year like it was an embarrassing opener against the Giants, who were the defending Super Bowl champions, and we opened up with them on a Thursday night in the Meadowlands and got beat and were horrible on offense. And then came home, and Campbell was great, and he threw, I don't know, like an 80-yard touchdown pass to Santana Moss at the end of the game to win the game. Uh, that That's the one game I remember. Other than that, I cannot remember uh, like a, a standout Jason Campbell Remarkable game, really. Um, one other thing about previous Redskins drafts. I did this thing last week um, on um, on Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's younger brother. The Redskins drafted him. Did you, did you get to know him at all or not? Loved him. Still know him. Still talk to him. Do you know that he's become like this quarterback whisperer? Do you know his I whole do. deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, apparently 
he's got the biggest football camp there is right now, the best football camp to go to as well. Yeah, I know his whole deal. Yeah, he's he, it's called it's called quarterback summit. It's it's a it's a quarterback developmental thing that he's got and he's developed a bunch of really good players. He he got Joe Burrow before last year. He's had some, you know, a bunch of dudes. So you really liked him. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was I was so sad when we released him. He was on the team. He was going to make the team. I everyone wasn't but he, he never played in the preseason, and then he went in against Jacksonville in the fourth preseason game, and anybody could have went in and done better. It was so bad. He, it was the bedwetter of the week award. So, yeah, that was that was brutal. So he, he he couldn't do it. He couldn't play, but obviously he's turned into quite the the coach and mentor. Yeah, well, he's been around it, you know. He's he's seen it on a lot of levels. Brother was a good player. Carson was a really good player. Yeah, and he he's he's put in the work to do what he's doing. He knows every GM in the league. He knows most calls all the coaches in the league. He goes and he's a part of every NFL convention, every NFL get together. He's he's in it, man. He's doing a good job. It's a lot of work for him. He's developed and tutored Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Um, Joe Burrow, um, there's uh, there's others on the list that I'm forgetting, but um, people have really uh, grown to respect him as, you know, sort of a quarterback, you know, developer. And, you know, it's interesting about that. You know that. who else is doing it? Who? John Beck. Is he? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, why don't you do something like that with tight ends? I should. That'd be awesome. I should do that. I mean, do you, th- I do, do, you, do you think Palmer makes a bunch of money doing this? I have no idea. He's got to be now, right? Because it's it's like, you know, essentially people are, you know, wanting to go to him. He's done a yeah. I should do that. I've thought about doing that because you don't you don't have to just do it with pro players, but it'd be fun to have. It'd be fun to have a group of guys for three months before the draft, like the combine stuff. Have a have a group of high school kids at some point. That'd be fun. You gotta have a facility. You gotta have a bunch of stuff to do that. So. Yeah. All right. Um. What else? All right. Uh, I gotta you, go. I know. You got nothing else you want to say? How are you guys doing? We're doing great. <laughs> are you Are you falling asleep at seven and waking up at four a.m.? I got up at two thirty today. It was crazy. I don't. I. I. I don't know. Well, tomorrow night we get to watch uh, we, the draft. You know, we I went outside to my I went outside my garage a few days ago, and there was a raccoon had spilled two buckets of paint trying to get cat food. So I went over to get the power washer. You know, I put it in my barn. I came back about a half an hour later. My son had gotten into the paint. He got oh, paint all over my God. driveway, all over all of my cars, all over his everything in the garage. Oh my God. Power wash for like two hours. <laughs> he thought he was. He thought it was so great. He was so happy about it. Oh, did you take pictures? Oh, was he mad? covered? Was he covered in the paint? Had to tell. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll talk to you later. Stay well. Sure, good. All right, buddy. See you. See you. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, back tomorrow with Tommy to preview the draft again.